Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Stars of track and field you are. Stars of track and field you are. Stars of track and field are beautiful people. Today's edition of Let's Run.com's Track Talk is sponsored by the Let's Run.com Better Running Shoes site. Check us out at letsrun.com slash shoes and make sure you're paying the lowest price on your running shoe, read the best running shoe reviews on the planet, and submit your own shoe review today. Go to letsrun.com slash shoes. Thanks. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of letsrun.com's Track Talk. This is your host, letsrun.com co-founder Robert Johnson. Very excited to be here. A Chicago Marathon edition of the Let's Run Track Talk. I am joined by my fellow co-founder, my fellow roommate, Weldon Johnson, who is in New York City calling in. Weldon, glad to have you. And of course, most importantly, our boots on the ground, the man, the myth, the legend, Jonathan Galt in Chicago. John, what's it like in the Windy City right now? You know, it's pretty exciting here, Robert. Uh, I got in basically just as the press conference was starting, and yeah, I kind of feel like there's a buzz here. There's way more people in the press conference than last year, for sure. You've got yeah. um, three reporters I mean, over. You've got three reporters from the UK, just KFMO Farah, um, which is pretty interesting. And then there's you know some Japanese contingent for Yuki Kauchi and for some of the Japanese runners, Suguru Osako in the field. And then you know you've got the regular batch of very talented Kenyan athletes like Jeffrey Karui and uh, Abel Karui and you know Mozanek Garamu who set the course record in Dubai and you know you've got the defending yeah. champion Galen Rupp so really people are excited you know I think definitely a lot more interesting the, the pacemakers are back we're hoping for a fast race on Sunday it's it's going to be fun yeah it, it should be I mean people should certainly it's the most excited I've been for Chicago for a long long time and for good reason I mean I didn't really set up the race when, when I did my quick intro but you have so many storylines. I mean, we have so many guys this year in not only big names with big fast PRs, but they're clearly in great form in 2018. We're talking about the men's race. You have just in the men's race alone, the 2018 Dubai champion, the 2018 Tokyo champion, 2018 Rotterdam champion, 2018 Prague champion, who is, of course, Galen Rupp, and a defending champion. He's the first time an American has defended in Chicago in 15 years. He's the first American-born champion to come back to Chicago in 35 years. And then... Um, we also the race also features Sir Mo Farah in his third career marathon, and then of course Jeffrey Carulli, our number one ranked marathoner in the world last year. So so much on the men's storyline. Women not too shabby. We're going to spend most of our time talking about the men's race, but the women, you know, the, from the American perspective, it's certainly taken a hit with Jordan Hesay and, and Craig Amy Craig out. But we got three sub two twenty women in Rosa Dereje, only twenty one years of age, Florence Kipagat and Berhani Dababa. So. Um, just some really good stuff, but uh, you know, John, would you put up the article that you've read? We've already published one article from the press conference on what you learned from Galen and Mo today at the press conference. And those are the two biggest names 
Um, and we have that up. We're going to add another article later. But let's go through the highlights of the Mo Farah and Galen Rub, what you learned from talking about them today. Um, what was your biggest takeaway? Uh, you know, my biggest takeaway is essentially, you know, people can try to make this into, you know, a big rivalry. I, I guess it, it kind of is. You know, we're, we're definitely excited about it. You know, these two former training partners, they were Olympic gold and silver in 2012. But when you get down to it, there's, it's not like they left on bad terms. They just sort of drifted apart. I mean, they started training together for the same events for a couple of years. But then, you know, in 2014, uh, Rupp and his wife, uh, his wife gave birth to twins. And ever since then, he sort of wanted to spend more time at home in Portland with his family. And, you know, they had, they've got another son who was born in 2016. And essentially, you know, if you look at the last few years, he hasn't really left Portland much for training stints. And Farah, of course, likes to go to Ethiopia for altitude training, likes to go to Flagstaff, sometimes Juan Romeo. You know, he's all over the world. And Rupp just, you know, he wasn't interested in doing that anymore. Farah always talks about how he misses being away from his family. But Rupp, you know, is a little, he's one step further. He just really doesn't like leaving them. And he went so far as to say, you know, I might get some certain performance gains by working out and training at altitude. But I think that's offset and more by, you know, being in an environment which I like, you know, being home with my family. He just thinks that's a big boost to his mental well-being and to his training. So, you know, it's not like they just started hating each other and had to leave and, you know, had to be pulled apart. It was essentially that their lives sort of went in different directions and then Mo left the group last year. And that that's really all there is to it. Uh, that said, they both know, you know, that each other represents a big challenge. They both want to beat each other. Neither of them would really tip their hand as to who is better in the longer workouts. I, I tried pressing them on that, you know, because obviously they had to have done tempos and stuff together. Neither of them really wanted to give an edge to the other. But I think it's going to be a good race. And really, you know, we, we don't know who the better marathoner is at this point, And we're going to find out on Sunday. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. You know, when I read that article, and the big takeaway for me initially was Rupp saying we still have a great relationship. I mean, I was on the message board earlier today. People were talking about Rupp and Farah, and there was a comment from a visitor, and he said, no matter what happens, their agent's an idiot. He doesn't play at this rivalry. You know, and first of all, I would never say Ricky Sam is one of the top agents in the world who represents both Farah and Rupp is, is, is not an idiot. But, um, you know, the guy, I was sort of surprised by that. I, I thought there might be. I mean, I, I guess I expected some PR speak, but I, I was surprised to say that for Rupp to say they have a great relationship, and a great's a pretty strong word, um, you know, because we didn't hear about them playing Xbox. I mean, I guess maybe fathers don't aren't playing Xbox as much, you know, but it just seemed weird to me that they used to train together. Then even when they're both in the, still in the, in the Nike Oregon project, they stopped training together so much, and then now they're, they're separate. So the the, pack, the fact that, Sort of their friend was, I mean, as a fan, was a little bit disappointing to me. I wanted to hear some, you know, like a boxing match. It's, it's much more exciting, even if they're just faking it, um, you know, sort of some animosity. But, um, you know, hey, the classic move by them both. But to me, a second read through, John, when I was talking to you off air, you said, oh, you know, they didn't really say much. To me, I think there is a, a big, big takeaway here. Um, a hidden thing in there that, that people are talking about. I mean, one of the threads on the message board right now is Mo Farah must be crapping himself, although the crapping is, is, is blanked out. And they're like, you know, they, people were talking that Rupp would pull out with an injury. Rupp Farah must be scared. And when I read that, is it just me? I mean, I'm probably the least accomplished runner of the three of us on, on the podcast, but, you know, 
why would Farah be crapping himself? I, I know he's not as accomplished as Rupp in the marathon, but he's 21. He's never lost a game on Rupp in a race in his entire life, um, except for one race, 21 and one against him when he fell down in a mile. It's, it's kind of hard to win a race fall down in a mile. So, you know, I, I totally disagree with that message board thread. If I'm Farah, I'm thinking very confidently, I've owned this guy. I'm always going to own this guy. It's kind of like a college cross country team. I mean, there's a pecking order, and generally the number one, the, the alpha male doesn't lose to the beta male. So, you know, before today, Weldon and John, we haven't heard from Weldon in a while. I mean, just on paper, who were you guys expecting to win this race? I'm definitely figuring Mo Farah's the one to win. I mean, of the two, Gaylon's a fabulous marathoner, but why wouldn't I pick Farah? He's under. He's twenty-one and one versus Rupp. I mean, until Galen beats him at something, you got to go with Mo. I think the sort of crazy thing is that, you know, the closest they ever were was the Olympic ten thousand meters. So, Galen's shown in big races he can be very, very, very close, and he may be the better marathoner. So, it should be a great one. Yeah, John. Yeah. Who? who do you, what did you think? I, you know, I've been going back and forth on this all week because I mean, Galen Rupp really. If you look at the marathons he he's put up. The only bad one was the Boston where he dropped out this year. And that I don't, I don't even count that as bad. You know, that's just, I throw that one away because of the weather. Like, you know, he's such a good marathoner, but at the same time, Mo Farah, I mean, you could argue that Mo's run in London this year. Uh, I don't know if, he, I mean, could you argue that that's more impressive than anything Rupp's done? You know, I know Rupp won Chicago last year, but the competition in London this year was way stronger and Rupp did medal at the Olympics, you know, but London gets a field that's, you know, on par with the Olympics most years. I mean, Farah really impressed me in London. And I think if this race, if they're going to try and run 204, or, you know, 205, I I kind of favor Farah in a, a really fast race like that. You know, something I feel like we've seen Rupp kick well in marathons. And I guess, you know, maybe Farah can do that too. We don't really know. He, he admits himself. He's still learning what he's good at and what he's not good at at the marathon. But yeah, if I at gunpoint, if I had to pick which one of the two will finish higher, I would pick Farah. But to be honest, if I'm picking who's going to win the race, I'm going with Joffrey Karui. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I think that it's clear in the sense of yeah, I thought the Karui pick. They, I mean, the focus here totally has been on Mo Farah and Galen Rupp. I mean, sort of rightfully so. Um, they have just their household names worldwide and in America and. You know, the focus of our sites, the English-speaking audience, obviously they speak, you know, in Kenya, but until, what, a year ago, you know, 95% of people had no idea who Jeffrey Carui was. But, you know, the world number one marathoner, according to Let'sRun.com last year. And he looked, you know, to be cruising on his way to winning this year's Boston Marathon in just atrocious conditions until, I don't know what, Mother Nature struck and... You know, he still ended up second, which was better than most guys, right? Um, but the, the big question for Karui is how does he do in a paced race? And, you know, and uh, John, did you get any indication? I, so jumping all over the place here. The question, you know, is about the pacing. Karui's a championship marathoner. He's done great in Boston. Um, he's done great at Worlds. But pace marathons, he's never done that great. And we have two other guys in the field who have done fabulous in pace marathons, Mosinet Garimeu and Birhani Legase, 204 flat um, and 204.15 this year in Dubai. So 
Any indications on what the pace is going to be tomorrow or Sunday? Excuse me. Yeah, it looks like it's, uh, I talked to Rupp and he said they hadn't really confirmed it yet, but he said expect something between 62 flat and 63 flat. Tim Hutchings, when he was moderating the press conference, threw out 62 flat to 62.30, and Mo Farah said he'd be he'd be fine with doing 62. So uh, I'm, I'm guessing it's probably going to be in the 62 to 63 flat range, and I already guessed closer to 62 flat, but again, maybe they bump it up by 15 or 30 seconds, depending on the, the specific weather forecast. Right. So uh, before we start talking about other guys, well, then I want to keep it here on Fair and Rupp. I mean, if you look, as you guys both said, the head-to-head records, you've got to give Farah the acknowledgement, I mean, the favorite status here, even though Rupp is out of the park in the marathon. The only reason you think Rupp would win would be sort of common sense in the sense of you would think that, hey, a man who's run 328 for 1,500, one of the 10 fastest man in history at 1,500, his range should not extend all the way to the marathon like Mo Farah. So you would think, you know, maybe his range only extends through maybe the half marathon. He's not going to be at the marathon. Maybe he rubs better at the longer distance stuff. But we don't know that. I mean, the, their PRs are fairly similar. Um, I mean, to me, the 206, that, that, that uh, I think it's what, 206, 21, and 206 for, for Farah, and like 206. 07 for Rupp. Uh, 07 for Rupp. But to me, the, I mean, the, the, the Farah one is much more impressive. It was way hot in London. I think it was in the 70s, right? And they went out in 61 flat. I mean, that's pretty ridiculous. But to me, if you were John, I don't even know if you realize this. When you read your article, it's now up on the website. Clearly, Weldon hasn't read it yet because it had the pacing in there. Rob said, Ferris said in there, there was a huge acknowledgement in there. You know, John asked him, like, you know, who, who, who's got the advantage based on practice? He said, I know Galen, and he knows me. I'm not going to give away secrets, but I think we know each other pretty well. I know what he was good at what he was better than me and what I was better than him at. So right there, there's an acknowledgement by Farah that Rupp was better than him at some things in practice. And that could have been a longer run. I mean, if you think about it. If you, if you never lose to gun a race, you might be better than him at basically everything. Um, so um, that to me was sort of interesting that, you know, maybe Rupp could pull this off. And if you look at the let's run.com polls and our men's preview, we ask who finishes higher, Galen Rupp or Mo Farah. Let's Run Nation is going two-thirds, Mo Farah, 67%, 33% for um, Rupp. Now, we also asked, I wanted to see who was more popular on Let's Run, the U.S.-based website. Uh, Rupp is sort of, sort of a controversial figure, as is Farah, I guess, because they're both part of the Nike Oregon Project. But who do you want to finish higher? It was the exact opposite. It was 66% Rupp, 34% Mo Farah. So that part was interesting to me. But if we're talking about the overall winner. Uh, and Weldon said, you know, Karui is not proven at a fast-paced uh, marathon, which is true. But one thing in, in Boston this year, I mean, the pace was so slow for him, he blew it open. And, you know, while he tied up late, he, you wouldn't think he has a problem. But it's pretty even in the Let's Run Nation. 34% are picking Jeffrey Karui to win, 29% are picking Mo Farah, and then 15% are picking Mo Rupp, uh, Galen Rupp. And then after that, no one's above 10%. Mo's in that Garamu is at 9%. Uh, Augustine Choki, crazy, is at 4%, which is, which is kind of absurd, um, given his range. So the Dubai champion Mosin at Gurmo. So go ahead, Wilbur. Yeah, I apologize. Super hot right now on Let's Run.com. Farah wants to go out in 62 flat. Rupp says it's okay with him. WTF. 
So, yeah. and, well, and I mean, one thing to me that's interesting about that about is, an hour. you know, we know that um, I thought it was a good sign that Farrell wants to run fast. Um, you know, the, the, the record, you know, for him to beat, only one person not born in Africa has ever broken 206. And that just recently happened when, when Sondra Moen ran 205, 48 in Fukuoka last December. So that would be the European record. It would also sort of be, well, I guess Farrah was born in Africa. Um, but, you know, that's uh, certainly a mark, very similar to the mark that, that, that Rupp's going to want to get with Kanuchi anyways. Um, and then, you know, I talked about all these champions being here, but not only are we going to have possibly a European record, possibly an American record, but we could also see the Japanese record. There's $900,000 on the line. If um, if uh, uh, Suguro Osaka is also in the Nike Oregon project, if he if he breaks the 206.11 mark, um, which is pretty crazy. John, did, did you get any sense of whether Osaka, did he, did he ever train with Farrah and Rupp, or is he sort of doing his own thing in Poland? It fascinates me that we had three of the best you know distance runners, one of the best from Japan, one of the best from Britain, and one of the best from the U.S., all in the same city, and they barely worked out together. But did it, do we have any idea what Osaka was doing with these guys, if anything? No, I did. he had uh, he had gone by the time that I wrapped up some of my interviews, and uh, I didn't have t- I didn't ask Farrah or Rupp about him, so not entirely sure. I do, I do know that Pete Julian sort of handles his training, uh, as opposed to, I think Salazar, Sal, you know, Salazar does rap and Julian sort of does Osako, but you know, Salazar will have some input into Osako, but I, I don't think they work out together. I'm, I, I, not to my knowledge. Um, but again, that's not, I'm not hundred percent sure on that. Yeah. So, I mean, if Moan can run a two Oh five, don't you guys think Rupp can do a lot faster? And there is the question of if these shoes do help, you know, if the shoes help up to 1%, that's over a minute. So well, I assume Moen was wearing the shoes. I mean, yeah, if you look at Moen, I mean, I was looking him I know, but he's, he, he, he's not a big name. He's run a 205.48, I think you said, Robert. Oh, I, and I, I, I agree. You and Rob flaps around him as a distance runner. Yeah, I mean, Moen's a 13.20, 28.15 guy. He has run 59.48 for the half. Before his, before his 205. But I mean, like two years ago, this Moen was a 1330, 28-25, 62-19 guy. And now he's a 205 marathoner. I mean, that is crazy. He now lives in Kenya, trains with Canova. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, yeah, if he can think about it, Rupp is at sub 13, it's five, six seconds a mile faster than that 1320, significantly faster than 28-15, obviously, probably 10 seconds a mile. So, you know, if he, if he goes five seconds a mile faster than, than Moen, I mean, that was two minutes in a marathon. That would be two or three, um, which is crazy. I mean, Rob is the 89th fastest man in history at 2.06.07. Um, and, you know, Moen is 72nd at 2.05.48. But, yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, we actually have a time goal or a time prediction on, on, on the Let's Run poll. How fast does Galen Rob run in Chicago? And 35% are picking 2.05. I mean, only 6% are picking 2.04. It would a 204 based on his other PRs would not shock me. Um, I'm a little bit down on the times just because of the weather, and, that, and that's one thing we haven't talked about. But the forecast is not as far from ideal. Um, Saturday, John, the race starts at what 7:30 local time on on Sunday. Yes, excuse me, Sunday. So if you're looking at it now, I mean, weather.com, thunderstorms. It's going to be 60 degrees. So 60 60 degrees at the start and 63 at the finish. That, that's pretty good i mean that's not bad what temperature wise 
but it's going to be very a 65% chance of uh, excuse me 70% with 7:30 start, 65% chances of rain at the start and 70% chance to finish. Humidity is going to be 90%. So, um, you know, humidity really doesn't mean that much. Um, if you look at the dew point, and there's a fabulous website called FindMyMarathon.com. Like if you just type in Chicago Marathon, Google will send you there. FindMyMarathon.com, Weather Chicago, they list the dew point. Now they're listing slightly lower humidity, 85%. But even if the humidity is 85%, the dew point is going to be 57 which is not ideal. Um, really, anything like under, it's not terrible. I mean, if you look at some of these uh, websites that sort of analyze it, anything under 55, they're like, the humidity is not going to affect you at all. It's a great, great tradition uh, to, to run fast. And between 55 and 60, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to impact you a little bit. In Berlin, when the world record was set in the middle of the race, the dew point was only 50. So it's definitely a little bit too humid, um, you know, for for what you would like. And then in terms of the wind. It's going to be, you know, eight, nine miles an hour, which is a little bit higher than what you'd like, um, you know, for, for a, a major marathon. So to me, the big thing, though, is if it's raining. I mean, we saw Kipchoge a few years ago in Berlin. I think it was year before this one. It started raining. And he's like, I'm not even going for the world record. So if it's raining, I think we can rule out a 204, um, but maybe a 205 would, would be possible. What do you guys think in the times? Yeah, 205, I think. I think is probably the best bet because yeah, I mean, again, we saw it. Kipchoge, I mean, Kipchoge, you got to want similar conditions to what we'll have, and he ended up running two or three thirty-two, so that's maybe ninety seconds or something. So if you figure these guys are in like at the very best shape, that puts you like two or five thirty. Yeah, maybe I, I think two or five is probably the, the best bet because I do think there is so much quality that someone's going to run fast, but. uh you know, it's obviously not perfect. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and the field's the field, so strong. I'm just curious what they go out at a, that first half, unless the weather's atrocious uh, and they get out on pace. You know, I don't know. I just feel like a, a, a field of this caliber. I'm thinking they're going to go 204. I mean, that would be crazy with the weather and, I don't know, the history of Chicago uh, compared to Berlin or something. But... I don't know. I'm just really impressed with this field and what they've assembled. And, you know, I guess a lot of that sort of depends on the pacing and the quality of the rabbits, which are back, you know, for the first time, I think three years in Chicago. So, you know, uh, I mean, it wouldn't shock me. I think the American record, well, I guess Galen's the only hope he could blow up or something. I think, I think it's gone, but you know, it's, it's not perfect weather. Um, yeah. But it's it's and not as bad as I thought. That was going to be a little bit warmer. Yeah, yeah 57 so. points is not bad. I mean, under 55 is great. 57 is still run fast. Anything over 60 is not good. But, um, yeah, I mean, we got to give props to Kerry Plinkowski for getting such a good field. I mean, there's 11 sub-2-8 men versus 7 from last year. There's the, the biggest difference is just the number of men in form. I mean, you know, last year they went out in 66 minutes and only four guys could pick it up in the second half. Only two guys broke 210. Um you know, I mean, one of the, um, you know, uh, anyways, I, I think that somebody had asked me, like, how big of an asterisk did I put next to Galen Up's win last year because the field was up for I mean, And I'm not putting any asterisks next to it. I mean, if you look at the New York City field, I mean, they, they were similar last year. I spent the morning doing research on how many sub-205, 206, 207 guys. I mean, New York last year had five sub-207 guys in it. Um, Chicago last year had, you know, 
seven 207 guys. Now, admittedly, many of those Chicago guys hadn't done it any time recently. But, you know, in, in New York, they went out in 66 minutes. I mean, I think it was 66-11 in New York and 66-09 in Chicago or maybe vice versa. And, you know, in New York, only two guys broke two. It's obviously a more difficult course, but only two guys broke 211 on that course. So, you know, Rupp deserves to be a major champion. I mean, he has he's run so well in so many marathons. Um, but the other guys, you know, and it's probably an interesting question we had, I think, on, on Twitter today was, who would you take, Galen Rupp and Mo Farah or the Silt? Everybody else, or do you want Galen Rupp and Mo Farah? And I think it was a little like 55%, John. People were picking the seal, correct? Which may be the smart call. I mean, because you got Garamu, the, the Dubai champion, course record holder, 204 flat. Legesse, who ran 204.15 in his debut in that same race. Um, Dixon Chamba earned his second Tokyo title in January, 204.32. Abel Kurui, 2016 champion, Chicago, 205.04 PB. And then you got the Rotter Jam champion, Kenneth Kipoli, 205.44. And then Jeffrey Kurui, obviously, Seguro Osako. Bending Karaoke has been a fantastic half marathoner. He's only got a 207.41. And then, of course, Yuki Kohochi, the Boston champ. I mean, I chance of winning this race, but 208.14. I mean, just so many good guys. A lot of crazy stuff. One thing about Farah that I think that gives him the edge back in the rough thing, even if Rupp was better with the longer stuff, we know that Farah's in supreme shape because he ran that 59-20 something half marathon a few weeks ago. Rupp had to pull out of his half. I mean, Rupp's never run a 59-20 something. So if Farah's properly training for the marathon, to run a 59-20 something in the middle of that is insane. I mean, if you asked me five years ago, I would say that's too fast. But the marathon has progressed. So if he's properly trained for the marathon and is that fast for the half marathon, it's going to be really hard to beat him. But 62 flat to me, I mean, when I saw that, I'm like, wow, Mo wants to go. Mo's the man to beat. But to me, that's too fast. I mean, I think it would be better for Pinskowski from a race setup standpoint to go out in 62.30 because then maybe, um, you know, Osaka could handle that. The Japanese record just, there's only, three guys in this field that ever broken 205 so to go out to a four flat pace seems the ideal way would be going to go at 6230 and try to pick it up you know try to run 20430 or something like that but um pretty interesting stuff so we only have about 10 minutes left should we talk a little bit about the women before we sign off at least i have to sign off at 6 p.m i have some babysitting duty I, I have yes, to go we, should. Well. we can run the men's american men real quick because i don't know just real quickly, sort of want to run through those guys. I mean, yeah, Luke I mean, I, so uh, Luke, Piscadra, and, uh, Luke Piscadra's out. He they already announced that he's he's got the flu. Um, I was gonna I was just gonna talk about Parker Stinson because that's who I spoke to today. So I feel like I've got some insights at the. He's essentially saying like okay. you know, he wants. To, sorry for sort of hijacking you there, Weldon, but. He he said the quote that stuck with me was if I run 210 it changes my life if I run 214 it doesn't and he's basically you know we made a lot of a big deal that there's no one has broken you know no American apart from Rupp has broken 210 since Meb did it back in uh, 2014 winning Boston and Stinson's not going that far but he said you know he's he's putting it out there that he wants to run sub 211 and. You know, essentially, he's like, look, what's the point? I'm going to be the same guy. If I run 212, 214, what's the difference? Whereas, you know, you run 210, people take notice. That's uh, for an American, that's a real big deal, you know? So he is sort of wondering who he's going to run with because if you were listening to guys off, well, then, you know, you have um, 
Elkanah about 211-31 in Chicago in 2015, but he hasn't really done much since then. Tyler McCandless ran a PR at CIM last year, 212-28. Sorry, yep, 212-28. Aaron Braun, his PR is a few years old, also 212-54. Kian Dardina, 212-56 from CIM. Andrew Bumbleo, who was uh, fifth in Boston in the horrible conditions, he ran 213-58 last year. And then you got Stinson. I mean, it's not after Rupp. It's not a super loaded field, but I think the way Stinson's thinking of it, at least, it's interesting to me. He wants to try to break through and make that next level and sort of separate himself from these other guys uh, who are all in the sort of the two twelve, two thirteen range. Yeah, and I applaud him. You know, for th- those of you guys not familiar with him, at the Calendar National last year, he went out and two ten pace through twenty miles, and he completely blew up and ran two eighteen. And to be honest, I think that's what America needs. Um, we're just not competitive at the marathon right now outside of Galen. I mean, 212, 213, you're like 10 minutes, you're more than 10 minutes. You're like two miles behind the world record. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's, yeah, 211, it's five minute pace. It's very impressive. But somehow the goalposts need to shift. We need to get guys under 210. Um, Hopefully, you know, it's like a, at least like a sub 211 guy who makes the team behind Rupp. But, you know, I don't know. Right now, like Bernard Lagat could be an Olympic team at 45, <laughs> 46. I don't know what it'll be by then. Um, but, yeah, you know, some of these guys have shown some promise in the past or some, you know, good track times like Bumble or something. So, but I think it's hopefully time for somebody to step up and see what they can do. And I don't know, Pen- Stinson, you know, he, he Turned some heads last year at Calendar National. It is a downhill course. So see what he can do. And he, I think he's going to go for it. And, I, you know, I respect that. A lot. That's going to get respect. You know, it may not end out pretty f- with him, but he's at least tried it once. So it might help him in the long term. Um, but, yeah, let's turn to the women's race f- for the final few minutes of, of the show. You know, it's a shame. I really, when I was talking about the Japanese record, I wanted to talk about that same 2012 Chicago race just to bring up Weldon. Personnel Takaoku of Japan ran 206.16, which was just recently beaten. But um, Weldon, you know what happened in 2002 in Chicago? 2002, that's claim to fame. Paula Radcliffe's first world record. Yes, folks. But also, more importantly, Weldon Johnson's 218.10 marathon GD when he paced Radcliffe. PR team was actually pacing someone. Pretty interesting. Um, I was actually looking at the results today. And Ben was there. Oh, we're talking to the microphone. He, he ran 229. So, kind of interesting. I saw him in there. Right. So, let's go to one race. That was, I, I, I had to, I wanted to talk about 2002. Well, so, anyways, I didn't realize the Japanese record went. Kanuchi won that race by 205 high. He set the American record not there. He said that in London, 205 38, 2002, London. You know, like two or five, I think like 56 to win Chicago um, that year. But in, in the women's race, John, Dereje, Kipagat, Debaba, all broken 220. Bridget Kostka and Shirley Demetri have all broken 221. Um, you know, they've done all of this stuff sort of fairly, fairly recently. Of those five women, I mean, after that, it's a huge drop off the War Three and then maybe Gwen Jorgensen. Um, and then, of course, we had a great, great record attempt by Alessi Papa um, in her debut. But of the of the big five, who's your pick? I'm going with Brigid Um She was the runner-up. I mean, you look at her resume. She was the runner-up here in Chicago last year to Debaba, who ran you know 218, blew everyone away. She was the runner-up in London 
this year to Vivian Chariot, who ran 2.18 and blew everyone away. And in between that, she set the course record at Honolulu Marathon by over five minutes. So, you know, it, I think she you put her in pretty much any other race in that, and she would have won at least one major. But uh, she just got some bad luck with the competition she was facing. I don't think there's anyone nearly as good as those women in the field on Sunday. Uh, and I think that makes her the woman to beat. And plus, one thing I like about her, I think that's a good pick, John, is she's one of the few women actually that had a, that had a prep race. And it seems like people doing prep races fewer. Robert, you've got to speak into your microphone more clearly. We can't hear you, buddy. I said she, she, she's one of the few women. I think that's a good pick because she's one of the few women that we know is in good form. I mean, she ran a good prep race, 67-52 at the Great North Run. I mean, people are, are running fewer and fewer prep races, it seems like. But, you know, she's a consistent performer. We know she's in shape. Um so I think she's a good pick, but also, you know, I mean, Dereje, the, the 21-year-old who ran 219.17, I mean, in Dubai, that's impressive, and she's young. So I, I would have to go with one of those two. I think really, um, did you get a chance to talk to Jorgensen today, John? Any idea of what she's going to go for in terms of pace? I mean, to me, I, I know she wants to be a, a 220 woman, but to me, in this race, over-under, she's got to be able to break 230. I mean, she needs to be able to play 225 to make the Olympic team in a year. So um, any idea what she's going for? No idea. Uh, she spoke very briefly. They brought her up on stage, the uh, official press conference, um, and they asked her about what her goals were. And she said, well, or they asked her what, you know, what she was hoping to do. And she's saying, well, if I knew what I was going to do, I wouldn't be running the race. You know, that's what you run the race, which is basically just a way of dodging the question. She hasn't really, you know, we asked her that earlier this week. She didn't really share and then she um she did not attend the one-on-one session uh where most of the other athletes were for one-on-one interviews so Jorgensen remains a huge question mark I think it's really interesting to see what she does but I mean I would at least like to know like what does she classify as a successful race like does she think if she is breaking 230 is that good enough for her at this point in her progression or is she wanting to break 227 or is it just about you know who she beats and being the top American. And I think, it, you know, it's kind of difficult because we don't know how the race is going to play out. So the race could go a lot of different ways. And, you know, you run 225 one way is more impressive than running 225 another way. It's just uh, you never quite know without a marathon goes. But, yeah, it's still a lot of question marks about Gwen. Yeah, for me, it's sort of – I feel like, I don't know, anything over 230 is pretty bad. I mean, if she goes for it and blows up, it's a different thing than if she just even paces the 230. I feel like between 225 – like 227, 228, somewhere under there – you're starting to like, okay, that's a pretty good run, um, especially for an American. I mean, even, even like a 228, 230, you could think in another year she could come down 10 seconds a mile and that puts her four minutes faster. You know, and that could, around 225, that could get you on the team. If she goes like sub 225 here, that's very good, um, really good. And then, you know, you got to put her in, in the equation of being the top American. And I feel like a top American has a medal chance at the Olympics. You know, women's marathoning keeps changing, changing, changing. And I think the chance for a gold is very, very slim. Tokyo is going to be a, just a complete, uh, I don't, you know, shit show with the weather. I mean, like Yuki Kawuchi, great profile by Jerry Longman, New York Times today. Um, saying He's essentially saying, like, I'm putting more emphasis on Eugene 2021 than Tokyo. This is a Japanese guy because he's like, I'm just not good in the heat. It's too hot for me. Um so there's just so many different things, but for Gwen first, she's got to make the team and you know, it's very interesting. This is a big step 
Laura Thweet's run 225-38. You know, she's the favorite to be first American here. If Gwen tries to run with her and runs that same time, you know, why can't she run what she runs? And then that puts her at 225. That's very good. So, but that would, to me, would be a, a very good run for her. But I don't know. I mean, I think you guys would would agree as well, right? A 225 is like an A plus for Gwen. Yeah. Yeah, one of my pet peeves, I want to start an online petition and get the 2020 Olympic marathon moved out of Tokyo. To me, it's absurd, dangerous, and whatever. I mean, it's a tough – people view Yuki Kawaiichi is the toughest marathon in the world, and he doesn't even want to run. So it's really sort of a disgraceful for our sport. They're going to be running this in potentially 90-degree weather. But I have to run, so I'm going to make my predictions for the win. I'm trying to figure out who I want to go with. Um, on the men's side, and I, I guess wow, I mean Karui sure is good. Um, John, did you get any Canova any or his agent? How the training's been going with him? Any any inside scoop? I'm tempted to pick him. Um, didn't see Canova. Yeah, Canova's not coaching him anymore. He essentially uses Patrick Sang's system. But he yeah. it was interesting. I was talking to him. He says he only comes down to Captagard. He he lives in Karengat and trains there most of the year, which is a very high altitude in Kenya. He only comes down to Kaptegard for, for speed work, which he does in like a three-week block, I guess, um, because there aren't really any tracks in Karenget. And uh, he also said that um, the reason why he doesn't leave Karenget full-time is because there's a group of runners there that he sort of mentors and acts as the group leader. And, you know, they need him there to, mm. you know, lead that group. So that's why he stays in Karenget. But he said, I asked him how he was feeling. He said 100%. So he, he all seems good for him. Yeah, I, I think he's the one that should win it. Um, and I'm tempted to pick Farah because I, I've been arguing for years that Farah's nowhere close to being the GOAT. But then if he starts winning these marathons, then he could be the GOAT. Um, greatest of all time. Oh, gosh. I guess I go with Curry for the win. I don't have any idea that he's good at pace races. So I'm going to go with Mo Farah for the win. Mo Farah for the win. And then I'm going to go with um, with Coast Guy for the women's race. Yep, I'll go with Curry and Coast Guy. I'm going to go with Farah as well. I guess we're twins, Robert. Um, can't believe we're all like not picking Gail and Rupp. And it is sort of crazy to think that Farah could be better at Rupp at 1500 and the marathon. Like this is a guy who was second in the Olympics in 10,000 is fabulous at the marathon, but I don't know. Like the run in London was very impressive. Um, Karui's never run a really bad marathon in my book. So, you know, I just, but I, a lot of times the world championship, the guy, the championship marathon can't do it in, in the pace marathon and Abel Karui so, sort of, I mean, he's won a Chicago, but sort of with the championships that he's won is sort of indication of that. So g- give me Farah as well for the win. And yeah, coast guy, I guess I didn't get my woman's pick. I'm gonna go with Gwen Jorgensen, first American woman. Any, anyone still there? Maybe no, I think we I think we should uh, wrap this. That's a sign that we should wrap this thing up. Robert appears <laughs> to have gone, so I think uh, I I'm probably going to be kicked out of the media center in a few minutes. So uh, I think we're pretty much done here. All right, John, thank you for joining us. Um, I wish I was in Chicago, but I've got a wedding coming up next weekend, and so I guess I'll content myself this weekend. To I'm now a New York City resident, I've got uh, John big baseball game tonight. My team, my, not my team, my secondary team now, the New York Yankees. Taking on the hated Boston Red Sox, John. Yeah, so well, you know that's um, the second most important game. Brighton got the win today, so yeah, Red Sox would be a bonus. Yes, Jonathan Galt, the luckiest sports fan in the world. But um, everybody should be a great one. Eight thirty a.m. Eastern on Sunday, and this is on NBC Gold. John, are we in NBCSN as well? 
I might be on the Olympic Channel. I'm going to have to double check on that. Olympic Channel. Sorry, we'll have the TV viewing information up there, but there's no excuse not to see this one. Check the message boards. There'll be links. This race will be viewable. But, you know, wake up a little earlier than you would on Sunday to watch this one. But until Sunday morning, this is Wells and Johnson signing off for Let'sRun.com. Thank you, John. Yep, bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.